You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome. I'm your host, Ed Henderson, and thank you so much for joining me on Over and Under. You probably picked up in the intro that this show has something to do with something I don't know called a rabbit hole. My son always jokes with me. He says, Dad, you really need to change that intro. Sounds like you got some kind of fetish with rabbit holes. And unfortunately, I'm going to use rabbit hole a few more times, at least at the beginning of this show, because we're getting ready to dive into one. And I'm talking about a rabbit hole in the true sense of Alice in Wonderland, because we're going to dive into a world of absolute absurdity, a world that makes no sense to somebody like me. I'm, I'm very objective. I like to see things. I like to, I like to put my hands on, I'll ask a subjective question, but I'm looking for an answer. I'm trying to make reason of my world. Let me just jump to the chase and tell you what we're going to be talking about today. And that's postmodernism. Postmodernism is the rejection of reason and fact. It brings into question how we ever came about with gaining our knowledge can we even truly have a language? What is the true meaning of a word? What is the essence of being? What does it mean to be? And what, what does it mean to exist? These are the questions that are asked by the philosophy of postmodernism. But unlike other philosophies, it really doesn't answer anything. For instance, they reject that there is a universal truth. And if I'm getting ready to lose you, this is what you need to know because it's going to make a lot of sense. If you're on the left, this is how you justify your stances. You do, you do not, you reject reason. But if you are a person who really wants to relate to reason and facts and not so much about feelings, it's not that you're an uncaring person. You care about how people feel, but you're not going to let that override a fact. For instance, it would be a very compassionate thing to be very empathetic, uh, protective, and to seek justice for a woman who claims to be raped. I mean, she may be crying uncontrollably, and you're just overwhelmed with uh, emotion to somebody must pay for this. But the rational side, it sometimes kicks in because if the man confronted with the rape says that he's innocent, you know that he deserves due process, and, and you start investigating, and you start finding out there's no way to deny it. They, they weren't even in the same house at the same time. They were not even in the same town at the same time. As much as you feel for this woman, you've got to come to the conclusion one or two things. Either she's just lying, she's mistaken, but the man she has identified is not the man, but some people have a mindset as, uh, as long as we put somebody to death or incarcerate them or put them away for the rest of their life, as long as somebody is making payment for this allegation, then justice has been served. And that's simply not true. It happened in the South, in the lynchings of black men. An allegation would be made. It would be incorrect. Everybody would get real emotional. And there they go, kill a man. Well, I guess they feel better. Justice was not served. That Even if they find out later on that they were wrong or they had the wrong person, well, oh well, he could have done it. 
you know, and it's not a black and white thing. Al Sharpton, when faced with uh, the Tawana Brawley case being such an absolute fraud, and I believe an officer ended up committing suicide over that. Don't hold me to that. Look into that if you care to. But when confronted with the absolute fact that it was all a hoax, you know, Sharpton says it doesn't matter. There's, there's a movement going on here. So there's a higher purpose that's being served. But you have to be able to divorce yourself from all reality and that is at the heart of postmodernism. Now, another interesting thing about postmodernism, all the philosophers were on the left. There was no conservatives or people on the right who ascribed to postmodernism. And to this day, it is a great divide between the right and the left. You know, if nothing else, my inquiry into postmodernism has given my, uh, my pea-sized brain a little bit of relaxation and knowing or beginning to think that I might be understanding why there's such a divide between the right and the left. And a lot of people on the left, I don't even know if they know that they are being influenced by postmodernism if they just have not bought into it lock, stock, and barrel. So postmodernism is not only just a rejection of reasoning and facts. And let me get into that because somebody on the left is going to say, we have our facts. We, we, we don't reject that there's things that are true. But it's a, it's a different kind of truth, and please try to stay with me. But before there was postmodernism, of course, there was modernism that was heralded in by the period of enlightenment. Before that time, the Roman Catholic Church pretty much made all the calls on social issues, on science issues, and if not political issues, they uh, had a heavy influence. So if anything scientifically was to be brought up about the body, about our universe, nature in general. It usually boiled down to um, this is the, what the Bible says, or better yet, this is our interpretation of the Bible. And anything that conflicts with it is heresy. Probably one of the most famous ones was Galileo, who asserted that the earth was not the center of the universe, that the sun was the center of the universe. He went in front of the Inquisition, and I believe he died under house arrest, but his studies would, have been, would be proved that he was absolutely correct. And so it was this time during science that people started to realize we can know much more about our, our nature and our universe by scientific study, by observation, through experience. We do not have to rely on mysticism or the Pope or a bishop. We can, we can know more about our, our world ourselves, you know. And so many of you know that I'm a believer in Christ. And I, I, I think science shows the wonder of God's universe. And like Galileo, Galileo didn't think that it conflicted with Scripture whatsoever. But this is what happens when you have a hard ideology that thinks they have a monopoly on, a, on an understanding or a belief, I just as a believer just have never felt threatened by science, and I think science is a good thing, but I'm getting off track. Let's get back to uh, postmodernism. But during this time of enlightenment where people realize that, you know, it was a good thing for people to have the freedom of mind and to seek out information for themselves, it was during this time we had some of our biggest advancements in medicine, social issues, political, 
We had marked advancements in chemistry, biology, human anatomy, mathematics. It's during this time that Isaac Newton published and established the laws of motion, universal gravitation. And, of course, the, the church would uh, start to feel threatened because all of a sudden people were giving concrete factual evidence of why things were the way that they were. I mean, just look all the things that came uh, came from this time. You had the first mercury thermometer, first electric capacitor, lightning rod, the sextant, navigational clock, carbonated water spinning frame, electric telegraph, steamship, submarine, uh, focal eyeglasses, bifocal eyeglasses, first parachute, first hot air balloon, power loom, first metal precision lathe, uh, medicine, you had the science of modern pathology, the stethoscope, the method of percussion for assessing disease within the chest, the development of safe vaccination. Louis Pasteur invented what we know as pasteurization, had a huge impact on agriculture industry as well as public health. You know, huge effects in transportation, the steam engine, you had your steamboats, you had your steam engines. I mean, you could just go on and on. These were huge advancements in human technology and innovation they laid the groundwork for much greater inventions that would come after this so it was a good thing that man started understanding his world and not relying on mysticism that he could actually go out he could observe for lack of a better term manipulate things for his embetterment to embetter his world now, a postmodernist might go on and tell you, yeah, this advancement also brought us things like uh, nuclear war, nuclear bombs. It also brought nuclear power, very clean energy, great for the, great for the environment. But this, this is what a, a postmodernist would probably tell you. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about what enlightenment meant, and I think factually it is well documented and proven that by observation, scientific study, you can come up with universal truths and facts. We sent people to the moon based on these assessments, uh, these calculations, physics, uh, the development of the, the rocket itself, self-propulsion. All these things are factual enough for somebody to pinpoint the ability to land a, an aircraft on a specific part of the moon at a specific time. I mean, people, there is such a thing as reality and truth, yet this is what postmodernism absolutely rejects. Now, one of the ways that they go about trying to establish this philosophy is they say, you know, you cannot trust words because words are not a reflection of what really is. So, if you're listening to me right now, there's a chance that we've never met you, don't know me, you don't know what my credibility is, but if all of a sudden I started talking about a tree, you would probably have a picture of a tree, and this is something that both uh, a rationalist and a postmodernist would uh, agree on, is that we have designated a certain object with a name, but the postmodernist would bring into question if that the way that that got its name was somebody observed it, very rational thing to do, and gave it a name, and therefore he put himself at the center of all this, the person in power, if you will, and gave that tree its, uh, its meaning. But this is how we communicate. This is how we 
develop concepts. And this is also the way that the postmodernist deconstructs concepts. You'll hear that word. That is one of the words in the vocabulary of the postmodernist is to deconstruct. If we're talking about a tree, you might ask for additional information, which I would be able to tell you. I might say tall, and that's not good enough for you. You say how tall? I say it's 35 feet. It's starting to get a little clear. You might say, what kind of tree? I say it's an oak tree. Well, it's it's gotten just a little bit clearer in your mind. We could be uh, continents apart. Uh, What kind of oak tree is it? I say it's a willow oak and you know, I, we can get pretty close, right? And that is that is the meaning of words. But the postmodernist says we can't even trust words because it came from, I guess, from a person. Yeah, well, obviously it came from a person. They would probably even question what a person is. They actually question what what does it mean to be. But they say we come into this world with all these things that uh, came before us. And so we can never be our authentic self. You will find this in the philosophy of Heidegger, a German philosopher. Much of postmodernism comes and is distilled from German philosophy. You want to look into this anymore. I'm just trying to give you a working knowledge and try to give you an idea how we're being affected by it in our world today and why we are even entertaining postmodernism. Why are universities filled with professors who ascribe to postmodernism ideology? Um, to give you another uh, term that comes up quite often in postmodernism that gets very confusing is uh, binary, binary, non-binary. Now, if you're like me who don't know much about binary, I guess my opinion of binary is people who shave parts of their head or all of their head or they got different color hair, red, yellow, blue, and it's usually accented with a bull ring in their nose. Now that's a generalization. There's probably people that don't, that have uh, got the fashion, but it just seems like every time I'm being confronted with that conversation, that person, that's what that person looks like. They've got a very odd haircut. I'm not making fun of anybody's hair. I've got some very different hair, but it, they, there does seem to be a common thing. It might be genetic because I, I've never seen anything spawn anybody that looked like that. And yet there seems to be this population of people that have a very different hair color that genetically I don't think is even possible. So maybe there's been some kind of weird gene thing that has uh, happened and, and it truly is. Uh, it comes from their gene pool. But when I hear things like binary what it really means, and I had to look a little bit further, do a little bit of reading, binary means consisting of two parts. So I think most of the time uh, when you're listening to postmodernists talking about uh, gender blurring, that's my term, that's not accurate, doing the best I can here, folks, but they would say male and female, that, that is the binary system, two parts of one, what they would tell you is they don't make the distinction. And I think there's a tremendous distinction myself between male and female, but they take those two opposites, if you will. They start emphasizing the transitioning of different attributes between male and female to where they act like they've come across some new science or something. They have it. We've always known about tomboys and let's say mama's boys. Those are probably not politically correct uh, terms. We weren't trying to offend anybody, but especially a lot of people who are 40 and older, 50 and older, 
they they relate to it. So again, not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to bring you some facts. They would try to tell you that you cannot understand the concept of male and female because it's just quite not that simple. And, you know, binary also would relate to, to terms such as off and on, a truth, a lie, a fact or feeling, rational, unrational, cri- criminal and victim. These are these are social constructs, if you will, or, or I would say objective mental constructs. But when you're trying to communicate, it's it's exactly where we start at. So off and on, if you were getting ready to put up an electrical fixture and you didn't want to get shocked, you'd want to know that if I told you I turned something off, there's no current flowing through it. There, I, you can have a transition period where power starts going from the off position to the on position. And I guess we could debate what all that means, but we would not get confused as to what off and on mean. When you look at something like if if something is a truth or a lie, I think it's very important that we understand if we are dealing with a truth or a lie. I think most people would agree with that, but I would say taking postmodernism to its uh, full understanding, they would want to focus on what lies between a truth and a lie. They would actually question what is a truth. And that's that's how they, they feel they're defeating reason reasoning and modernity because they actually question, well, what is a truth? What does that mean to be true? And who gave it that meaning of being true? Probably somebody that was in power that wanted to enforce oppression on other people. That's that's another one Postmodernists and the left uh, want to always stress the the binary concept between the oppressor and the oppressed. But back to what I was trying to tell you, uh, can you imagine going to a football game? It usually lasts, what, four quarters? Uh, and it usually starts off, there's the, the whole preliminary thing where you get the two captains out there with some of the leadership on both teams. They walk out with the referee and they say, well, they flip a coin. They flip a coin to decide who's going to kick the ball off and who's going to receive. Rather simple thing, and you would think it'd be one of the more simple things that happen in the game. But you flip the coin. Let's say one of the team captains, he loses. He called heads, and it landed on tails. The referee is starting to ask the other captain, what would you like to do? And that postmodernist captain says, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. Mr. Referee, I don't think you quite understand what has just took place here. You have a coin. What I would like to call to your attention is not the head or the tail, but that little ridge surface that exists between the head and the tail. You see, Mr. Referee, the tail and the head are one and the same. And there's actually a transition period between the tail to the head. The tail is actually a little bit of the head, and the head is a little bit of the tail. I don't think that you got things right. And another thing I'd like for you to know is I have an understanding that the ground is actually up. It's not down and the air is actually down. It's not up. So I am going to say I won the coin toss. We haven't even started the game, folks. That's going to be a very long game. And that's that's the level of absurdity that I see in postmodernity and the rhetoric of the left. Now you would now you're probably thinking, so why is this important to me? 
Well, because you are dealing with it in a very, very real way. And you're having to deal with it because one of the greatest uh, beliefs of the left is in socialism and communism, and they have failed so miserably. It's failed in the Soviet Union. It has failed in Mao communist China, Cuba, Venezuela, Israel, India, United Kingdom, and probably one of the most famous socialist parties, the Nationalist Socialist Party of Germany, the Nazis. And so what happens, and this was brought out by Mr. Hicks in his book explaining postmodernism, what happens when all the beliefs that you have, your ideologies and your doctrines have been proven false? Well, that's where postmodernism comes in. That's a great philosophy if everything that you ever believed in failed and you start to bring in questions, even even questions of what does it mean to be and how can words have meaning and only people that are in power can give meanings to words and they do so for nefarious reasons but postmodernity is a very safe place to land if indeed feelings take precedence over facts if you think if you're if you're of a right persuasion and I guess I'm a right persuasion I'm going to have to wear that moniker, if you will, because if you think like I do, they they label you a conservative. And I've said many, many times, I just think I'm somebody of common sense. It doesn't mean that I divorce myself from empathy and having feelings for people who have a lot of emotions and they're driven by their emotions. I do, but I'm not going to let it override something that is factual. The only thing that I would say that is somewhat and it kind of makes sense to me is that if I'm losing a battle, you just tr- you do you try to deconstruct again another word of postmodernism and people on the left. And what better way if you can get them to question their words, which words uh, develop into concepts, and yeah, they they de- they develop into social constructs. It's very important that uh, we have a construct such as a stop sign and everybody understands what that means. Maybe that explains why I see so many people running stop signs and three or four cars after a traffic light turns red because maybe that's they're throwing their middle finger up at the man, the people who thought they were in power and could give such meaning and social constructs to oppress other people because after all they got places to be, right? Maybe that's what they do. They come to stop sign and they say, Ah, that don't have to mean that to me. Or they come to a red light and they're like, uh, "Yeah, that I'm not going to obey that. That is just that's just the man trying to put power over top of me." But if you're going to deconstruct that world, what better way to do it than to even question whether is there is a valid truth for everybody? So they deconstruct words, social constructs. All of a sudden. The family, the mother and the father, the child, they become very subjected to the point of where they call the mother birthing people because we can't have that kind of social construct. I mean, and it, it creates all kinds of problems. Just think about all the pregnant men we have today. Do you think that's having an effect on the shortage of baby formula? You know, sometimes, and I've heard it said before, that a picture is worth a thousand words. So I don't have a picture nor the ability to show you that on a podcast, but I do have 
uh, a very, very interesting exchange between two people. And I'm going to see if you can tell me who is the rationalist. And I guess by being rational, he has to be thrown over on the right. And the irrationalist, and I don't mean that to be any type of offensive term because that is at the heart of postmodern. They would tell you they reject truth, fact, and therefore rationalization. So let me set this up for you if you have not heard this already. This is a congressional hearing, and it has to do with uh, women's reproduction rights, if you will, better known as abortion. But this is an exchange between Dan Bishop and a physician last name Jackson and uh, somebody at the end, I can't remember her name, but I want you to listen to the exchange between these two people and see if you can pick up the language of post-modernity. Dr. Robinson, uh, I noticed in your written testimony, you, you said that you use she, her pronouns. You're a medical doctor. What's a woman? It's important for you to understand why I said I use she, her pronouns. Well, I, 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 I understand I, 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 that I'm explaining, I was re explaining why I'm asking the question, but I just thought you could answer the question. What's a woman? I think it's important that we educate people like you about why we're doing the things that we do. And so the reason that I use she and her pronouns is because I understand that there are people who become pregnant that may not identify that way. And I think it is discriminatory to speak to people or to call them in such a way as they desire not to be called. Thanks for that. So question. it's Can important that we respect each individual person. Are you going to answer my question? Can you answer the question, what's a woman? I'm a woman. And I will ask you, which pronouns do you use? Can you, can you If you provide... tell me that you use she and her pronouns, that... I'm going to answer you. I'm going to call you Mr. Bishop. I'm going to respect you for how you want me to, to address you. I, I'm just asking, so you give me an example of a woman. You say that you are a woman. Can you tell me, otherwise, a... can you tell me what a woman is? Yes, I'm telling you, I'm a woman. Is that as, as, a, as comprehensive a definition as you can give me? That's as comprehensive as a def definition as I, as I will give you today. I because see. I think that it's important that we focus on what we're here for, and it's to talk about access to I abortion see. So you're not interested in answering a question that I ask unless, and answering a question that I ask unless it's part of a message you want to deliver. Is that right? I'm sorry. You're because not, I was talking and you were talking yes, at the same I, time. Yes, ma'am. I'm right. I it's my, it's my time. <laughs> okay, it's my I just time said, to ask you questions. That's the purpose of it. I ask you to, to uncover things by asking you questions and asking you to respond. So you're not willing to answer a question unless it's part of a message you wish to deliver. Is that correct? Sir, what I was trying to explain to you is that I had a difficult time hearing you since we were talking at the same time. Right, let me just see if I can go to Ms. Arambide. Is that a pretty close approximation of the pronunciation? Arambide. Arambide. Um, what do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. So that was an exchange between a congressman and a licensed physician. Can you tell which one was rational and which one was irrational? One would be probably put in the category of a modernist and one would be put in the category of postmodernist. Did you pick up on that? Now, women's rights, abortions, that, that's a very serious subject, whether you take uh, the side of the woman and, and you want to call it a health, a health service or you look at it as somebody 
being killed, that there's an actual murder taking place inside the womb, is a serious subject without even taking a side on it. You must agree. It's a very dis divisive issue. But did you notice that they couldn't even get to the subject matter because they could not even get to an agreement as to what they're talking about? And to what level are you willing to go with that absurdity? Would that same physician, would she advocate to that same Congress or that representative, would she go to Congress and try to seek money for abortions for men? And could she successfully do so? Would a rejection of the absolute absurdity of men being able to have babies, would you be criticized? Would you be jailed? Would you be called a some type of a bigot? Because people are being fined at this point. There are people, there are children that are being disciplined because they're not using the proper pronouns. I don't know when you graduated from school. I graduated a very long time ago. I think John Bon Jovi was still a teenager uh, when I graduated. That's how old I am. But we had no knowledge of these pronouns, and I call them the people of 15 minutes ago. And if this is your first podcast, I call the people of 15 minutes ago. would be like your people, like your postmodernists, your, your non-binary people. Because in the history of human mankind, my time on this earth is just a flash in the pan. And I just heard about this a couple of years ago. So when you put that into perspective... It is a very fair thing to refer to these people as the people of 15 minutes ago. They don't even have enough grace and compassion as they try to push these philosophies that they are coming out of nowhere and nothing, which again is why postmodernism is such a convenient vehicle for them because that's what postmodernism is. It comes from absolute nothing. You know, one of the... Uh, precepts or one of the fathers of postmodernism was Heidegger. A lot of people give credit to people who push postmodernism. They're big fans of Heidegger. And he actually poses the question, what does it mean to be? And what does true existence mean? Are we actually here or is, or is there nothing? Or he goes into this whole thing about you cannot be your authentic self because your mother and father poured all their beliefs into you formed your your psych your your knowledge your understanding of the world which is true but is that a bad thing because what they what you are getting is all the generations that came before you the only way you could be your authentic self is for the mother to give birth to you and then put you in a very isolated place and see what happens that would be incredibly cruel. People have done that to some degree. You hear these horror stories where children are locked up by their families. They have no contact with the outside world. It manifests into people who are unable to communicate with their world or function in the world because they were so isolated. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it would not be a good thing if that mother did not offer her breast to that child in order to feed it. How does she know how to do this? How does the child know how to do this? It's a natural innate instinct, is it not? But to rob a child of all the knowledge that has preceded the gener generations and the development of man is a very cruel thing. But I would say this is where 
what postmodernity is asking you to do. And much like the Catholic Church that was that felt so threatened by modernity and science, so is postmodernism. So that's why there is such a shutdown of free speech. You know, you used to go to college, and that's where free speech was most encouraged. You were encouraged to, they wanted you exposed to a lot of things to strengthen your arguments or your belief system. It was a good thing to be challenged. But if you have somebody coming in with a conservative viewpoint or somebody from a rationalist, a modernist viewpoint, that kind of speech is so often shut down on our college campuses and to the point to where people are being physically assaulted. People are having to be escorted to the podium and off the campus because they are bringing factual evidence and people's uh, feelings are going to override a fact, and that's, that is the tact of the postmodernist. And if you don't believe me, look at somebody like Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is not a racist. He's not a Nazi. He's, he's Jewish, for God's sake. He gets uh, racist remarks thrown at him. But as he tries to speak to many campuses, sometimes, you know, he is, uh, has to be escorted off because his life is being threatened because it doesn't matter that he's a Jew. It doesn't matter that he's not racist. He's got a message that those college kids cannot cannot comprehend or they cannot tolerate very intolerant on college campuses is they used to be one of the most tolerant places you could ever go to but now it's very secluded to the point to where you have a president that gets elected like trump and they have to go to a safe space and they bring in counselors and stuff because their ideology is being challenged and so that's where you're getting this weak mindset but socialism and communism, they, they require a weak, mind, a weak mind. They cannot have that mind that questions or has a difference of opinion. So I'm really starting to go over time here. I'm going to call it right there. I, as most, in most instances, I don't feel like I covered a subject as probably thoroughly as it should, should be made known that these are my personal opinions, but again, I would highly recommend a book explaining postmodernism uh, written by Stephen R.C. Hicks. Very, very good book, and it's not too hard to read. It's, it's the subject matter that is so hard to uh, stay with, and so that's why I wanted to wrap it up in a nutshell that if you know nothing about postmodernism, it is a total rejection that there is a universal truth. And if you don't have any truth, if you don't have uh, concepts and they're all faulty, how can you even communicate? That's another thing that is lost on them. They don't even understand that they are using these concepts to convey what it is that they want you to understand, such as words and concepts. So with that, I hope I have raised your interest in postmodernism because as absurd as it is, it's coming into play in every part of your life today. It's coming, uh, even in religion, it's, it's even invading religion. So if you would like to know a little bit more about this philosophy and the, and the people who developed it, please, please go right ahead. I think after this podcast, I'm going to be done with it and try to rest my brain because if you are somebody who embraces reason, uh, 
you're going to fry a few circuit boards trying to go through this one. Okay. Hope you have a good day. Praying for blessings on your family. Wishing you the absolute very best until we can get together again on Over and Under. I'm out like a scout. You take care. Bye.